Bible trails The Son of God, He is near He chose to walk with us These tribal trails Hi and welcome to Tribal Trails. We're here at Dr. Gary Parker. A lot of people wonder about how old the Earth is, and and there's something that I don't understand, like starlight and time. Could you explain that to me? Yeah, that that was a question that uh, really bothered me. You know, when I was making the transition from evolution to creation, because let's face it, the Bible talks right up front about God creating everything. You know, the heavens, the earth, the sea, and all that in them is, you know, in just six days. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. And yet, oh, wait a minute, there, there's stars that are a million light years away. You know, the, the Andromeda galaxy is two million light years away. Doesn't that mean it has to be two million years old? And, and so how can God create stars on day four, and yet their light says they're two million years old? And, and I think a lot of Christians will kind of wonder, does the Bible just apply to the earth? Or it doesn't seem to. It talks about the heavens and the earth being created by God. And when Jesus comes again, we don't get just a new heaven or a new earth. We also get a new heaven. And so I started wondering about that. And part of the confusion I found out was the term light year. And so you say, well, gee, the Andromeda galaxy is two million light years away. It must be old. So I'll, I'll use you as a trial. Let me give you a quiz, okay? okay. <laughs> I give this to students sometime. We'll think about a light year for a minute. And uh, this will be multiple choice. Okay. So, is a light year a measure of time only? Light year. Uh, is it a measure of distance only? Uh, or choice C, is it a measure of both distance and time? Probably distance and time. That's the most common answer. So I've asked that in church audience and university audiences, you yeah. know, filled with the secular people. And most people go for that last one. Yeah. But a light year, it, the correct answer is B. It's a measure of distance only. Oh, okay. And uh, there, there's a situation comedy on TV, you know, that features, uh, you know, a non-Christian, you know, a, a physics student, you know, with a Christian mom and all that. And they're having battles all the time. And, but he mentioned, no, you know, light year, is, it's misnamed. It, the, the use of the word year makes you think of time. But it's really just a little under, uh, you know, six trillion miles, uh, 5.9. And so it's just distance. Uh, but evolutionists like doing that. They like to name things uh, to give an age connotation. Because their real hero, you know, they, they look to Darwin and they look to time, chance, struggle, and death. But they know that doesn't work unless there's lots and lots of time. And they would give up Darwin, but they'd never give up time. You have to have time. Not that it solves any problems, but it hides a lot of problems. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so, you know, sometimes I'll ask students, you know, which is older, an old mountain or a young mountain? You know, and they, they're already kind of wary of my questions. <laughs> I'll say, well, 
an old mountain, young mountain, it has nothing to do with age. And so a young mountain is a jagged mountain. An old mountain is a rounded mountain. <laughs> and out in California, you have the really high Sierra Nevadas, you know, along the Nevada border. They're young mountains. Right across from them, you have the rounded white mountains that are really old mountains. And yet even evolutionists know that they were formed at exactly the same time by exactly the same event. They're exactly the same age. And so they're using a time term when they should be using a shape term. Mm -hmm. They're jagged mountains, they're rounded mountains. Okay, yeah. Well, I wouldn't confuse anybody, but old or young, if they described it scientifically, they would be using words that you could see and verify, but they're actually naming them as an act of worship to their god, the god of endless time. <laughs> and well, okay, well, what about that light year? And so, you know, you look through an evolutionist telescope, see the Andromeda galaxy, it's, you know, two million light years away, it must be old. And you come in my telescope, and I show you the Andromeda galaxy, and I said, look at the Andromeda galaxy. You know, it's, it's 12 million trillion miles away, it must be old. And you think, well, why? Is something farther away older than something close by, or the Chinese older than us because they live farther away? You know? mm -hmm. And you, well, that doesn't make sense. You know, you can't really go from distance to age. And, oh, what is a light year anyway? You know, it's a, supposedly the distance, notice, distance, that light would travel in a year. Uh, and, of course, way back in school, you know, we learned, you know, 186,000 miles per second or three times 10 to the 10th centimeters, uh, you know, per second. And so, wow, you know, light really travels fast. Uh, or does it? Hmm, yeah, it does. Okay, it travels fast, but is the speed of light constant? Well, most people, well, of course. You know, did Einstein say the speed of light was constant? No. He said everybody who calculates it will get the same answer. And so by this time, by the way, I've got the students pretty confused. <laughs> well, if you get the same answer all the time, that doesn't that mean it's constant? No. All right, now here's something that's kind of fun. So you have, you know, twin boys, okay. One of them wants to be an astronaut, and the other one thinks about it but decides to stay home and run the family business. And so this, uh, this is a, in the future. We got spacecraft that can travel 99.9% .9 the speed of light, almost as fast as light. And so the, the astronaut twin takes off in a spacecraft on a mission to circle a star 100 light years away and come back and give a report. Okay, well, how old is he going to be when he gets back? Well, let's say these, these twins are 20 years old. When the astronaut twin takes off in the rocket ship, he's going 100 light years, coming back 100 light years. Doesn't look good. Okay, it looks like, you know, he's not going quite as fast as light, so it'd take him a little more than 100 years to get there and a little more than 100 years to get back. Let's say, you know, maybe... 202 years older, plus 20. He's going to be in bad shape when he gets back, <laughs> yeah. or they got to put him into sleep, or something like that. Guess what? When he gets back, he'll be two years older than he was when he left. He'll be 22. Yeah. And But when he looks for his twin brother, boy, did I have an exciting voyage. His twin brother will be 200 and 22, <laughs> and probably in the family plot. 
<laughs> okay, by this time. And notice, by the way, that uh, as he was traveling with that spacecraft out and back, if he had a little machine to measure the speed of light, he would have got the same answer we get here on Earth. And the, the real intriguing thing about Einstein's theory, which has been experimentally verified, otherwise I wouldn't tell you this. It just sounds freaky, but actually it really fits with the Bible quite well. That time is a variable. Time doesn't always flow at the same rate. And sometimes when I think about it, if there was anything that was hard for God to create, it might be time. And so God's way beyond time. When Moses asked God, well, what shall I tell the people when they ask me, who is this God that sent you to deliver us from, from Egypt? And what does God say? I am who I am. Tell them I am sent you. <laughs> <laughs> and Greek philosophy was nowhere near that level when the nomadic Hebrews were slaves in Egypt. It's just the most awesome concept you can imagine. And so God is outside time. And so Christ, uh, the uh, God, can describe himself before Abraham was, I am. And the Jewish leaders knew exactly what he meant. They took up stones to kill him. He was claiming to be God. That's exactly what he was doing. And then he's described in Scripture as the one who was and who is and who is to come, past, present, future. That's the way we look at it, but all at one time. And so, boy, oh boy, God's in a different dimension. It's just absolutely astonishing. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. And so time doesn't flow at the same rate everywhere. And like I say, this has been experimentally verified. You can take particles that have a, uh, you know, that break down. And if you accelerate them so they're going really fast, it looks like they survive longer. And if you slow them down, it looks like they survive less time. But if you do the Einstein equation, you get the same speed for light because time is the part that varies. Uh, that's a, you know, it's just mind-stretching, mind-boggling. <laughs> uh, but what that means is God did exactly what he said he did. And uh, uh, one of the six days, you know, at the end of most of the six days, God saw what he had done, and it was good. And at the end of all six days of creation, he saw what he had done. It was all very good. But the second day doesn't get that, and it was good. It's not that it was bad, 
But on the second day, God stretched out the heavens. And so he didn't actually create new things. He took what he had and moved it around, mm-hmm. you know, spread yeah. it out, yeah. stretched out the heavens. And that, that phrase, I think, is used about 39 times in Scripture, that God stretched out the heavens. And, uh, you know, one of the things that really got, uh, you know, evolutionists excited about the Big Bang Theory was looking out in space and seeing that most of the things far off, uh, the wavelengths of light we're getting from them, are red shifted, you know, so we call it the red shift. And uh, it looks like that, like a, it's, if it's a Doppler effect, it's like when you hear a train, you know, coming at you, you know, and you hear this, and the, the pitch gets higher and higher. And then as it goes past, so the pitch gets lower and lower. The, frequ- well, the frequency of light changes. It gets red if it's moving away from you, blue if it's moving toward you. And that's what they use in weather forecasts, you know, Doppler radar. They can tell whether the storm's coming at you or going the other way or going sideways. And so it's really kind of handy. But, you know, they say, look, there's proof of the Big Bang. What would a Christian say? Well, what do you mean? I told, it's already in the Bible. That's what God did on the second day. And he left this as a reminder that he stretched out the heavens. But God made the earth by his power. He founded the world by his wisdom and stretched out the heavens by his understanding. Uh, one thing that God did that really irritates evolutionists <laughs> and makes Christians wonder, he doesn't create the sun, moon, and stars till day four. And so in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the first thing then uh, was light. Let there be light, the most organized form of energy. And then he stretches that out on the second day. And the third day makes a dry land in the plants. And then he makes the sun, moon, and stars. Just to make sure nobody ever thought sun, moon, and stars, uh, you know, created the earth and gave, produced life. That was, you know, cultures around the world have worshipped the sun from day one as a life giver. Evolutionists worship the sun as a light giver. Famous evolution, you know, biology book I used uh, when when I was teaching said, uh, you know, life owes its origin to the the flow through of energy, acting on the peculiarly suitable conditions of the ancient earth. What that means is, <laughs> sun shining on dirt makes life. And when they, you know, sent spacecraft to Mars, that, well, look, sun's been shining on dirt even longer than, you know, it has here on earth with suitable conditions. There should be life there. And a famous evolutionist said, it looks like life was a little harder to make than I thought. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and people used to think that, that, uh, you know, just sunshine on dirt would turn things into life. No, it takes God's plan and purpose to do that. Mm-hmm. And so uh, God demoted the sun. Its purpose isn't to make life. It's a timekeeper. And God said... Let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night and let them serve as signs to mark sacred times and days and years. So he made sun, moon, and stars as signs for seasons, days, and years. And so right away, you know, he's defining, using those terms the same way we do. And it amazes me even though I had trouble with this when I was an evolutionist, that that Christians have trouble understanding that God created in six days the same kind of days we experience today. 
evening and morning were the first day, evening and morning were the second day, evening and morning were the third day. And so God uses day like we do. Uh, we use it like he does is a better way to say that, either for the day-night cycle or for the lighted part of the day-night cycle. And then when you get to the fourth day, if a day isn't a day, what in the world is a season or a year? So it's defined right there in the context, you know, as an ordinary day. Well, boy, but if the sun didn't come till day three, what did the plants have? You know, how did the plants have? <laughs> what they have? There wasn't any sun. And <laughs> I was in a debate in Australia one time. And, oh, the, the person I was debating, even the university was embarrassed by him. He just hated God with a passion. And one of his big points was, you know, how stupid, you know, can the Bible be? Look at that. You don't have the sun until day four and you've got plants, you know, and, and you have light on day one. How can you have light without the sun? Oh, the Bible's stupid. And so it was my turn to come up. Let's see how can you have light without the sun? Would it be possible to have light without the sun? I clicked on an overhead projector. <laughs> hmm, light without the sun is out and I clicked it off, clicked it on, clicked it yeah. <laughs> So Anywhere you have matter, which had already been created, electrons change level, you can have light given off. And so the, even, even the secular students begin to kind of laugh. Yeah, you can have light without the sun. And can light get here from deep space in a short time? And the answer is yes. If somebody says to you, look, you know, this stars, this, you know, galaxy is a million light years away. It took a million years for light to get here. That's an ignorant question. You can never ask how long did something take to happen unless you say whose clock are we going to use? Mm -hmm. And so that's, see, if time doesn't flow at the same rate, now we're kind of we're kind of used to thinking those ways now. You know, we have time zones. And so I've got friends in Perth, Australia, and I live in Florida. And it's kind of interesting. I can call my friends in Perth at noon in the summer, and a few seconds later, if they pick up the phone, <laughs> I'll be talking to them at midnight in the winter. Okay, so you know, different seasons, different time zones. Uh, but there's more to it than that. Uh, the flow of time varies uh, with the speed compared to the speed of light. It doesn't really have any effect. No matter how fast you drive a race car, you're not, not going to be able to measure the effect. But when you get close to light speed, boy, oh boy, time really slows down. And so that's why this astronaut can go out and come back, circle a star 100 light years away, and only be two years older. Mm -hmm. So what you know for sure is you can't say, that a light year is a measure of time, that it took 100 years for that light to get here, but it only took two years for the astronaut to get here. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and farther on out in space. And if you're going light speed, wow, you know, time actually stops. Yeah. And what travels at light speed? Oh, yeah, light does. And so if you could travel at the light, uh, speed of light, which, you know, you can make the whole universe. And, and God saw what he did on day four he created the sun, moon, and stars to be signs for seasons, days, and years. And he saw it happened right there, that it was good. And evening and morning were the fourth day. Yeah. And so he makes it real clear. Now, let's face it. We know a lot more about how that can apply now than we did back in those days. But just like a child doesn't understand everything his father says when he's three years old, he can still trust his father. 
And we got to keep in mind it's not just a matter of what you believe. It's a matter of who you believe. And, you know, even the evolutionists ought to be able to rejoice. If they were right, that really did take millions and billions of years for light to get here from the distant stars, it may all be an illusion. There may not be anything else out there. They could have all disappeared billions of years ago, and we wouldn't even know about it. Mm -hmm. But thanks to the way God designed the universe and the flow of light, what we're getting from out there is recent and relevant. Mm -hmm. It's telling us about our magnificent, marvelous God mm -hmm. <laughs> and how he holds the universe mm -hmm. in the palm of his hand. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> okay, sp speed affects time. Is there anything else that affects time? Yeah, interestingly enough, gravity affects the flow of time. So not just speed, you know, near light speed, uh, but a lot of a strong gravitational field slows down uh, the flow of time. A weak gravitational field, in effect, uh, speeds up the flow of time. And so time flows at different, and again, this is an experimentally measured effect. The, uh, they first picked it up in uh, the atomic clocks in Boulder, Colorado, and the Greenwich Village in England. One's a mile more above sea level than the other. And so this one is farther from the Earth's center, is in a lower gravitational field, so the clock in Boulder runs faster. Now, it's only a few millionths of a second, you know, and, and this one in more gravity runs slower. But that's where they first picked it up. Mm -hmm. So in a way, God, when he stretched out the heavens, you know, and so as light comes toward us, it's going through very thin gravitational field to the, you know, the thicker gravity in our area. We've got the sun's gravity, the moon's gravity, the other planets, the uh, solar system, the galaxy, and our local group, all this. And so, uh, uh, you know, it means light from the distant stars can get here in part of one day. And the stuff that we're seeing out there, the information we're getting is recent and relevant. The stars really are there. The galaxies really are there. If evolutionists were right, and they're not, they can't be. You know, they're in violation of experimental observation of the effect of gravity on time. And so what do they do? Deliberately ignore the facts. Who told us that? The Apostle Peter. And so the Apostle Peter said, in the last days, scoffers will come, mocking, you know, the idea of six-day creation of the God who can change history. He says, but they'll deliberately ignore the facts. They're willingly ignorant of the facts that a, a God, the earth was created, you know, out of the water, in the water, the flood, you know, and will be redeemed from the curse, you know, by Christ's return. They ignore all that. And if you ask, uh, you know, famous evolutionists, well, why are you ignoring the effect of gravity on time? And usually they don't get that question because people don't know that. <laughs> so, and then, well, you know, because as soon as you plug that in, Russ Humphreys, you know, did this. You can uh, use the same formulas, Big Bang theorists use, only plug in the measured effect of gravity on time. You still get a big universe because we have a big God. But you get a young universe, which brings God really, really close. God stretched out the heavens to teach us about his greatness, mm -hmm. his bigness, but he made it young to show us his presence. He's close to us. He's not distant. He's not far away. God has put eternity in our minds 
says the writer to Ecclesiastes in chapter 3, but so that we cannot find out what happened from the beginning to the end unless we depend on God to tell us. Mm-hmm. And so God makes himself huge, big, God, and also close to us. Wow. <laughs> How would you challenge viewers about this time thing? Like, Is there a way to encourage viewers towards God that God is still in control? What would you tell them? Yeah, I think it really does. Um, in fact, one time it was kind of a surprise. I was doing this at a university, and, and somebody said, well, you know, the universe is so big, you know, why would God just make the earth? And I said, you think the universe is big? Jesus is way bigger than the universe. And yet, he can see into and cares for our heart. He can organize things for our good. And he does that, and he loves doing it. Yeah. And when we ruined, you know, and the effect of man's sin didn't just ruin the earth, it extended to the heavens. And we see all kinds of things breaking down in the universe around us. But God is going to give us a new heavens and a new earth. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. And all it takes is trust in the gift of his son. And we get all that time to explore the the heavens by the God who created them. And each one of the things we look at is going to tell us something new and special about our God and about our place in his plan. Right on. (laughs) Thank you for sharing that with us. Sure, welcome. Your only son, no sin to hide, but you have sent him from your side to walk upon this guilty sod and to become the Lamb of God. Oh, Lamb of God, sweet Lamb of God, I love the Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, your gift of love, they crucified, they laughed and scorned him as he died, the humble king, they named a Sacrificed the Lamb of God. Oh, Lamb of God, sweet Lamb of God. I love the holy Lamb of God. Oh, wash me in his precious blood. Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. 
side But you have brought me to your side To be 